Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope that this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy this message. Well, good morning. How is everybody doing today? Was that not amazing news that we just got this morning from Pastor Andy? Yeah, that is so exciting. Um, it's hard to follow after hearing that. Um, my name is Cindy Porter, and as Pastor Andy shared, I'm going to be the Valley Sydney campus pastor. And so this morning, I want to give a shout out to the Valley Sydney uh, campus, who's meeting over in the East venue this morning. So I just want to say, hey, everybody. And if you're a guest with us today at the Valley Sydney, and uh, I didn't get to meet you because I'm over in this venue, I just ask that you come back next week so I can say hi and meet you. And I also want to give a shout out to our Back 40 campus. I don't know if you guys are aware of that, but there is a campground not far from here uh, called the Back 40, and on Sunday mornings, they stream us into the campground so that people can be at our online church there. So, hey, Back 40. That would be a fun place to be this afternoon, wouldn't it? So as Andy said earlier, welcome to the third week in our series called Family Foundations. And uh, the question that you should be asking yourself on the third week of this uh, series is, how is the foundation of my family? How is the spiritual foundation under my family? What kind of foundation have we been building or have I been building for my family? I ask you that because as you've been hearing, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you've learned that our families really are, no matter what we want to believe or what we hope for or dream or picture as the perfect little family, our families are only as strong as the foundation that is under them. And the foundation, you know, is the most important uh, part of any building, any structure, whether it's a stadium, a high-rise, or a home, the foundation is what everything rests on. And so getting the foundation right along the way when something's being built is incredibly important. And so getting a family foundation right is incredibly important. Strong foundations don't magically build themselves. I remember when I was a young parent, I used to just dream of what my family could look like because I came from a very messy family. Wayne came from a very messy family. And then you put these two parents together. You put these, this husband and this wife together. And what do you think you got? The perfect marriage. No, you got a messy marriage, and we had a messy family, and so we had to be really intentional about that family foundation. If you want your family foundation to be strong, then you've got to do the stuff that will make it happen, and here's the good news. I want to start out with the good news today, because we're going to get into some messy stuff in a little bit. I want to start out with the good news that if you've been going through this series and it's made you evaluate the foundation of your family, maybe it's, uh, you've evaluated the, the foundation of your marriage or your friendships um, or your relationships in your family, your indirect relationships, whatever shape that you find your family foundation in, I want to tell you that there's hope. I want you to know that there's hope today for your family. It, there's hope today for your marriage. 
And I will stand firmly on that. I have seen families that you you would have just thought that they were going to crumble and wash away. And God did a miraculous work in their family. I've been witness to marriage that has been healed and restored and redeemed and reconciliation that has been incredibly powerful. I've seen it happen in my own life and in my own marriage and with my family. You can jack a house up and you can clear away an old foundation and you can pour new concrete. If you've got cracks, you can repair those. And if you're just starting out, you get to decide This is the beauty of of young marriages and young families. You get to decide what your foundation will look like, what kind of foundation that you're going to build your family on. It takes great effort. That's the hard part. Uh, We see, you know, on Instagram and in social media and different things, we see the highlight reels of people's life, and it looks so good. And so sometimes we just want that for ourselves. But let me tell you, it takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of effort, but it will be worth every minute of it. Jesus talked about this very thing. In Matthew 7, he said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. And I always think when I read that like idiot, right? It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. It fell with a great crash. Earthquakes in our families shake us up and can cause cracks. Floods come and they overwhelm us. Storms blow off the shingles of our family. But if foundation, if it has a strong foundation, you can withstand all of that. A strong foundation doesn't mean we're not going to go through hard things and messy things, but it means that we have the hope to come out on the other side. Week one was all about your family script. Do you remember that one? That one was, uh, who does our family say we are? Who do we say we are? I remember when one of our daughters was in junior high, and uh, there was a situation. You know what I mean when I say situation? Yeah, we had a situation, and I remember looking her in the eyes and saying to her, that is not who we are. You see, we had developed a family script, and part of building our family's foundation was to determine who we were as a family. And what did our foundation rest on? What was it uh, being built on? And Jesus builds strong families, And I'll just never forget the look on her face when it dawned on her that the the behavior, the actions that she'd gotten caught up in is not who we are. That is not your identity. That is not who our family is. And it was a turning point. Week two, we talked about our family calendars. Ouch. Yeah? I just wonder, you know, don't raise your hands. I've wondered who's gone home and really thought this through. Anybody have a conversation about it? Did anybody make any movement or actions towards your family rhythms and what you prioritize? 
We talked about busy is not better. And I wrote down here that hell loves it when families have their priorities in the wrong time slots. So for week three, we're going to talk about something else that will determine the strength of your family's foundation. If we handle it correctly, this topic, it will strengthen your family. And if we handle it unhealthily, it erodes family foundations. Family conflict. That's the subject for today. You have your family foundation booklets. Hopefully you've got those. If you didn't, there's some in the back of the room. You can grab one. And you can turn to uh, conflict in that this week at home. And there's some things you can fill out and work on. Hopefully the message today will give you some um, good inspiration for that. You know the old saying, we don't get to choose our family, but we do get to choose how we handle conflict. No? Nobody's heard of that? It's not an old saying. I made it up. That's why nobody heard about it. But it's true. We don't get to choose our family, but we do get to choose how we handle family conflict. We're really good at starting conflict, aren't we? I was talking to somebody this morning, and they were like, really good at knowing how to get it started. But not so great at knowing how to resolve it. And we've developed lots of unhealthy methods and patterns in our lives on how to resolve conflict. I remember my first date. Get ready to go back in time with me. It was going to be on a Friday night, and he, I, I kind of had Google eyes about this kid all year. It was, this, it was in May, this time of the year. And he invited me to go out on a date with him on Friday night. We were going to go to Arby's. And we were going to go to the movies. We were going to see Peter Frampton in Sgt. Pepper Lonely Hearts Club Band. Was I cool or what? That was a cool one. I had just gotten a new outfit the week before. And I put it away. I saved it. Because in our home, we didn't have a washer and a dryer. And so I knew, well, you didn't have a lot of clothes either, like lots and lots of outfits. And so I knew that if I wore that outfit before the date, there might be a chance that I wouldn't get it washed to wear on my Friday night date. So I put it away, and I was saving it for Friday night. And so I came home from school on Friday. I was so excited. I went in the bathroom, and I was doing my hair, and then I did my makeup, and I had about 30 minutes until my date was going to arrive, and I went to my bedroom to put on my new outfit, and I could not find it. I looked everywhere. I searched every closet. I went through the whole house searching for it. My date was coming in 30 minutes, and it was nowhere to be found. Now, there's three sisters. I'm the oldest. There's a middle and a youngest. The youngest is watching this whole thing. She's just been following me around. She thinks it's so cool. I was considerably uh, older than them, and she just thought it was so cool to watch this whole first date thing happen. Finally, after I've looked everywhere and I'm panicking, she just casually says, well, the middle sister put it on. And she wore it. She went down to the ball fields with her friends. So my parents weren't home yet, and I jumped on a bicycle, and I rode the bike like a half a mile down the road to this ball field, and there she was, the middle sister wearing my brand new outfit, strutting around like a peacock, 
because she thought she looked so cute, and she's showing it off to all of her friends. Well, let me just sum it up for you without a lot of grisly detail. World War III broke out. I got a hold of her. I drug, dragged her home. I got that outfit off of her, but by the time it was all said and done, it wasn't fit to be worn. That's how we handled conflict at our house. Listen, conflict is inevitable in families. It's going to happen. Have you had any recently in your family? Let me give you just, give you just a minute to think about that. Have you had any conflict recently in your family? How far back would you have to think to come up with something? Mm, some of us are thinking in the car ride over here to church this morning. Because <clears throat> you see, even in families who love each other, there's conflict. Brothers and sisters fight, husbands and wives fight, uh, parents and their kids fight. It's not new. It's not new. And we're going to look at some stories and some scriptures this morning that will take us back into Bible times and show us that the first family that God created, they experienced intense conflict. Genesis 4, 8 tells us that while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and he killed him. And I got to tell you, <laughs> I did think of my sister at that moment. Another kind of field, wearing my outfit, I wanted to kill her. Today, many families, maybe we're not killing each other, although we read about that, but in many families, we're destroying each other, aren't we, with our words. We're destroying each other with um, anger and disrespect. We're destroying our families, our relationship, our marriages with jealousy and pride and gossip, our extended families with bitterness Sometimes untruths are told and things are blown out of proportion and there's bitterness because we have a sin issue. That's the root of it. Let's just call it what it is before we get into this any deeper. We have a sin issue. Sin is disobedience to God. And whenever we sin, it not only causes a disruption in our relationship with God, but it causes a disruption and problems in our marriages it causes problems in our relationship with our children and other family members. That's what sin does. Now, sin comes in many different forms, okay? A few ways that it shows up as conflict is pride. Pride is behind a lot of family conflicts. Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride leads to argu arguments. Pride leads to arguments. Jealousy. Jealousy in a family or in a relationship always brings conflict. In Genesis, there are three families that I picked out today that dealt with conflict just due to jealousy. We just talked about Cain and Abel. That was a jealousy comparison type of conflict. And then we've got Esau and Jacob. You can read that story in Genesis. These are two brothers who they have struggled since they were uh, infants in the womb. They, their jealousy led to deceit and it led to theft. And if you read through in that story, their mother, here's another twist, their mother stood by and she condoned the behavior. Joseph and his brothers, 
If you're familiar with Old Testament stories, Joseph was the brother that wore the coat of many colors that his dad specially gifted to him. His father just showed blatant favoritism toward this son, Joseph, and he had lots of other sons, and they became so deeply hurt by their father's favoritism towards this son that the hurt turned into bitterness and anger and hate to the point where they plotted to kill their brother, all out of a parent showing favoritism. Anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood, but jealousy is more dangerous. So there's pride, jealousy, anger, fear, dishonesty. Lots of things can lead us to sin and lots of things that lead us into family conflict. And so the first thing that I think we should always do if we find ourselves in a situation where there is conflict in our family, and this one ouches, it's my least favorite thing here. Let's read James 4.1. What causes fights? What causes fights and quarrels and conflict among you? They are caused by the selfish desires that are continually at war inside you. That's a battle that I often struggle with. I don't like to look within (laughs) when there's conflict going on in my life. I don't like to look within when I'm having conflict with Wayne. I don't like to stop and do an internal examination, right? Uh, If I'm having a disagreement with a daughter or sisters. And if I do stop and think, well, I'm going to be mature enough to look inside and see if any of this is my problem, I just do a really quick glance, right? And then I'm like, back on the other person. That verse in James is telling us that we are always going to fight this self stuff. That's what I call it, self stuff that's in us, selfish desires, and they are always trying to control us. One of the boldest prayers that you can pray if you're in conflict with someone, is God, show me, is there anything in me? Is there anything in me that I need to see? Let that be your first automatic go-to if you find yourself in conflict. God, is there anything in me that I need to see? Okay, is there anything in me that I need to repent of, that I need to take ownership of? Okay, Show me, is there anything within me that that you want to purify, that you want to cleanse? James 3.17 says, the wisdom from above is first pure. And that's why you stop immediately and you look inward. And then you look upward and you ask God to show you because the wisdom from above is pure. And every time we go with God's wisdom, It's a win. It's a win. And then after we have, he shows us that, then peace, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. Because when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it means that we're going to have God's kind of wisdom to live by. We're going to have God's direction and wisdom and how to handle family conflicts that are in our life. 
But man, I tell you, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about my own family and myself. And I thought, boy, we have really developed some unhealthy ways that we deal with conflict, right? Uh, Some of us grew up watching conflict being handled in really unhealthy ways. When there's a family conflict, some of us, or maybe you know someone in your family, maybe it's you, if you'll look inside and be honest, that we immediately go into, this is a fight, this is a battle, and I'm in here to win it. I've got to prove myself right. I've got to prove them wrong. And so we'll nag and badger and berate, we'll argue, we'll threaten, we'll do whatever it takes to make that other person give in, admit that they've done something wrong, admit that it's their fault, give in and say, uncle, we aren't going to admit to any fault. Again, maybe you know somebody like this, maybe it's feeling kind of familiar to you. And we certainly aren't going to ask God to show us what might be in our hearts. We think to ourselves, there's no way I'm going to listen to this other person's concerns. There's no way I'm going to look for an appropriate compromise or try to understand this person's view on this issue or why they feel this way or why they did this. We're just going to win. It's our goal whenever conflict arises to be right. But you know what that is? No matter who's in the right or the wrong, that's protecting your self-interest. And that's what James was talking about. The Bible tells us that we're to be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. You see, you can have conflict, you can have disagreement, you, you may not see something eye to eye or come to a decision on how something it will be handled, but you can do it in love. It doesn't mean that means you have to lay down and roll over and give in and let something pass that shouldn't. It means that you're going to be committed to bringing a certain attitude to the discussion. You're going to bring a certain attitude of heart to the discussion. Every time we deal with conflict in a battle, as an argument in our families that we think it's to be won, then we're going to end up with disunity in our family. I don't care how you look at it. If you're in it to win it, and it doesn't matter, you start focusing on the person and winning the battle and not what the issue is, you will end up with disunity and conflict in your family. Now, there's some of us (laughs) that go to the other extreme, the extreme of giving in because we just hate conflict, We just don't want to go there. Some of us are passive-aggressive, and some of us, we just run the other direction. We don't like to talk about hard things. We don't like to have those conversations. So we just agree to whatever the other person is insisting on to avoid the argument, to avoid the disagreement, because we don't like conflict. We sweep it under the rug. Now, here's what happens with that. When you sweep stuff under the rug, things that should be dealt with in a healthy, godly way, and instead you just sweep it under the rug, that pile that's under the rug just grows and grows, and the problems never get talked about, they never get talked through, much less ever solved. And you know what grows from something, that pile that's under the rug? It's soil. It is soil for resentment and bitterness 
And it becomes, as the writer of Hebrews tells us, a root of bitterness growing up, causing trouble and harming many. We just keep pushing it up under the rug or in real life we're just putting it into our heart and we're pushing it down and pushing it down until it starts to create this bitterness and resentment in our heart towards this other person. So winning at all costs is wrong and giving in is wrong. Those are wrong goals. Family conflict also happens. Here's another, let let me give you another scenario that it happens. It happens when we have our priorities misplaced. And I loved the message on the family calendar and about our priorities. Because all of this ties in together. All of this builds the family foundation. Is God first in your life? Is God first in your family? If not, If you cannot say wholly, 100%, that God is first in my life, we strive for that, that is what we want, our hearts want God to be first in our family, then I can guarantee you that your level of family conflict will go beyond what is expected. Deuteronomy says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength. And when Wayne and I look back into the worst years, the worst times of our marriage, the worst conflicts that we went through, every single time, I went through them all. I kind of like, not that I keep track, (laughs) not that I keep a record, but I did think through all the conflicts, all the things that we have gone through in our marriage, and every single time God was not in first place in one of us or in both of us or in our family. Our priorities had been flipped upside down and other things were being loved more than God. When we surrender our lives to Christ, when we work towards living to his word and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, and when he's first priority in our life, we will see things differently. When God is first in your life, in everything, your heart, your mind, your soul, everywhere, then you will be able to handle conflict in your families differently than people who don't have Christ first. You'll react differently. The conflict will happen because you're a human and you live with humans and humans are your people and so you're going to have conflict. But you'll react differently. You'll respond instead of react. You'll love fully. You'll have the power to look within you and to examine yourself. You'll have the power to forgive. You'll have the power for reconciliation. Conflict reveals important information about the nature of both your heart and your relationship with Christ. Let that sink in for just a minute. Conflict reveals important information about the nature of your heart and, it, and your relationship with God. If you find your marriage, if you find your family is in conflict today, I just encourage you to just look within to examine yourself to ask God that he would give you a spirit of humility, 
Repent of any pride that you might be carrying around. Ask him to give you the grace that you need because you cannot be right with God and be right with people, okay? You cannot be right with your people if you're not right with God. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or their sister whom they have not seen, whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. Someone, when there's family conflict, somebody needs to make the first move. And that someone, listen to this, that someone doesn't have to be the guilty one. It's really great if it is, but sometimes we have to make the first move and we aren't guilty of anything. Genesis 13, 5 through 13 tells us a story of an uncle and a nephew, and it was Abram and Lot. And so these two are traveling together, and they've got all their families, their uh, wives, their children, all of their relatives with them, and they've got all their herds, and the land cannot support both of these families at the same time. And so what happens? Conflict. Conflicts start happening. You're in my space, I'm in your space, they're taking up too much room, we're having issues, there's not enough water, there's not enough land. Conflict started happening. And I love when you read this, that instead of ignoring the issue, they, just, they, they brought it to light, and instead of escalating the conflict, Abram shows us what to do. Abram chose to reconcile with his nephew. He took the first step. And they started talking and figured out what they would do about it. If you're experiencing conflict this morning in your family, remember, we don't get to choose our family, but we do get to choose how we handle conflict in our family. You get to choose how you're going to handle it. Parents, grandparents, husbands and wives, This sounds really severe, but hell does not want your family to live in peace with one another. The enemy wants your family to live in chaos and disunity and in bitterness and anger and constant strifing and fighting. That is his goal. And so we have the tools. We have the the Heavenly Father. We have the Holy Spirit within us to live lives that as families we can deal with conflict in a healthy way. Would you stand with me this morning? As we get ready to pray, I have a question for you. It's a, I want you to dream. I want you to dream, what would your home be like? What would our homes look like if our kids saw us working out problems in front of them and dealing with our differences, dealing with the conflicts in our family in a healthy way. Can you imagine what that could look like if your family could do that? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, God, that you love each and every family that's represented here at the Back 40 at the Sydney campus all of, our, all of our campuses, Lord, you care so deeply for our families. You care for our marriages, our relationships, God, and you want the very best for us because when we are operating the best we can, Lord, then you use us 
to further your kingdom. And so God, we just, we just ask you to show us this morning. I ask that you give us courage to look within, to examine, to evaluate the foundation that we're building and placing under our families. And Lord, if there's anything within our power to change it, I pray you'd give your people the courage to do it so that it would not stay the same. Help us to show our kids what this looks like. I pray for the marriages that are represented here, the families. I pray for the widows. I pray for the single parents. All, Father, that you have represented, I just ask you, Lord, to do what only you can do in their lives. I pray that we'd have an eagerness, a determination to do what it takes, to be bold and courageous, to not be lazy, to not be indifferent, to not wish it away, but to take action steps, Lord. And that first action is completely uh, repenting of our sins, Lord, and surrendering our lives to you. That's the very first thing. Knowing you as our Savior, Lord, and just being sold out to you. And so I pray if anyone here has not done that, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts and you would draw them to you. Father, we ask all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. You can go. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app today to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you or changed your life, share it with a friend. Because changed lives change lives.